This week, we interview Todd Roostaller of the Hagen Museum. From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. Stockton. I love this town. Most miserable city? I don't think so. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton, episode 26 for Friday, February the 5th, 2010. I'm Rod Gomez, And I'm Matt Beckwith. Uh, welcome back to all of our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. If you have comments for the show, uh, leave us a voicemail at 209-565-3229 or send them to mail at podcaststockton.com. Coming up on today's show, will a council member shave their head to cure cancer? Let's get ready for some hockey. We look at sports with Lowell Tuckerman. Are you good at movie trivia? If so, we need you. Our interview with Todd Roostaller from the Hagen Museum. And what tech can you not live without? But first, a look at the news. Stag High School will play host to a National Black History Bee next week, presented by Lend Your Hand Incorporated, a nonprofit organization based out of Elk Grove. The event will be hosted by author, poet, and Stockton native Terry A. O'Neill. Students will be tested on their trivia knowledge of African-American history. The winners will receive gift certificates, a t-shirt, a plaque, as well as a cash prize. The National Black History Bee will take place Wednesday, February the 10th at noon on the campus of Stagg High School. For more information, you can call 209-993-7745, extension 8471. A rally to save the Tuxedo Park Post Office will take place on Saturday, February the 6th at noon. The residents and businesses of the university neighborhood hope to convince the U.S. Postal Service not to add their office to the growing list of post office closures across the United States. Petitioners are urging officials to consider the convenience and eco-friendly nature of the Tuxedo Park building as well as its importance to the members of the community. Anyone who is interested and unable to attend the rally on Saturday are urged to sign their online petition, which can be found by logging on to the Miracle Miles website, www.stocktonmiraclemile.com. This has been Podcast Stockton News. All right, Rod. So uh, now that you're you're off Twitter for a little while, taking a sabbatical from social media, um, you, you didn't you didn't hear about this bald bet uh, until just a little bit ago, right? Yeah, I got caught up when I got here. It was uh, something that kind of piqued my interest as soon as you mentioned something. Yeah. So um, for those of you that uh, don't follow um, Brewery33, David Siders, Mike Bravo11, or Susan Eggman on Twitter. Um, evidently, there was a, a young person that had asked the city council if they would be willing to shave their head in the, um, in the name of uh, children's cancer research. And uh, I guess somebody said no. And then, of course, somebody asked if Susan Eggman would be willing to do it. And Susan Eggman said... Hey, for five thousand, if you raise five thousand dollars for kids' cancer research, um, I'll shave my head. So there's been a bunch of stuff. The bald bet, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess if you're gonna have a bet, you have to give it a good name or a good hashtag. So bald bet 2010, um, five thousand dollars is the price of Susan Eggman's hair. You think, uh, you think the uh, Twitter community, the Twitterazzi, can raise five grand? You know, I think it's funny that Andy continues to uh, to bet people. He's already down picking up trash. How much does he? And and I know I don't think uh, I don't think his hair is in question, but I think uh, even Susan herself said uh, Andy, or even I think it was Andy that said that he would go bald as well. Um, but do I think the Twitterazzi can do it? I think if anybody can do it, the Twitterazzi can do it. Yeah, for um, for five thousand five thousand dollars for her to shave her head, I, I think so. I didn't see if there was a if there was a timeline um, that had to be done in a certain amount of time. Um, I don't know. I, I don't don't have the details. I was just catching up just right before we started recording. Um, but you know, I talked to to Mike Bravo Eleven, my brother, and uh, he had an idea. He said, "Hey, you know, you just need just need a little bit of money for for all of the people that um, that, that that follow Brewery Thirty Three. So a little over twelve dollars a person. Yeah, right? twelve bucks was you know per person or something like that. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, to see what you know what we come up with or, or what uh, Andy comes up with for fundraising ideas. I'll, I'll certainly throw a couple of bucks um, in the name of children's cancer research to uh, to see Susan 
uh, shave her head. I would be willing to shave my head, but I don't. I don't have much hair, so. Well, I'd shave my head. I mean, that just to me, because what is you it have hair? I do have hair, and and you know, it'd be a chance for it to grow back even, and just a flashback from basic training. So it's nothing new to me. I've had my head shaved more than once. Uh, maybe not completely bald, bald, but uh, you know, I, I'd take it down to the nub like I did in basic training. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to go bald, bald. That's the thing. <laughs> Slick, straight edge. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I could probably try to do that. I don't know how good I look, but you know. Well, only one way to find out. So, um, we'll um, uh, actually, we don't have a lot of details so, so far on the bald bet. If you do not follow Susan Eggman or Brewery Thirty Three on Twitter, if you're if you don't if you don't if you're not on Twitter at all, um, you want to get a little bit more information about this or um, how you can contribute. Um, reach out to either Rod or I. We you have our email, phone number, all that stuff. Um, leave us a note, a uh, comment on the show notes. And uh, we'll get back to you. But um, if, if you're not on Twitter and you want to get more info, and certainly if you want to contribute, let, let us know. Um, I will certainly um, be making um, some donation. I want to make sure that uh, we, get, we get near that 5K. Um, so what say you, Stockton? If you have a little bit of extra spare change, throw it our way and see if we can get Susan Eggman. You know, I, I feel bad, Rod, because Susan Eggman's a friend of the show. And, she is, you know, but I, if she offers to shave her head, I know our cameras will be there to catch that action. That's for sure. <laughs> we should ask for an exclusive. <laughs> we, well, we'll get the exclusive. We don't have to ask for it. We'll just be there whether they want us there or not. <laughs> True. I think Andy said something about uh, doing it on Ustream. That's a good idea. So. We'd be there with the cameras rolling. Yeah, more to come. We'll, uh, we will uh, uh, talk with uh, Brewery33 uh, and or Susan Eggman. And yeah, there you go. And update, uh, and update uh, our, our listeners next week. This is Tom Mondragon from episode one, and you're listening to Podcast Stockton. Hey, 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 Podcast Stockton listeners. This is John Remington coming at you once again from ClosetGoodies.com, bringing you the ads of the week. This week, we have many automobiles for sale, Harley-Davidson die-cast replicas, and don't forget, Valentine's Day is right around the corner, so check out ClosetGoodies.com for those awesome Valentine's Day specials. Thank you for using our website, where it's always free for you to search and post ads. And thank you for listening to Podcast Stockton. So before my absence from Twitter, there was a flurry of activity regarding a growing trend now is the tweet up, it is known. And that is where the Stockton Thunder will uh, have many, many guests from the Twitter community and uh, everybody getting together to, uh, to watch a good old fashioned Thunder game. Yeah, so Friday, February 12th, Stockton Thunder take on the Ontario Reign. It's actually the only Thunder home game in February. Um, so that so that worked out pretty good. Um, but I, uh, my wife and I and one of our daughters went to a game last week. Um, Gabriel um, Abraxas579 on Twitter from the singlemaltversus.com. He was um, like six or seven rows um, down from us. Um, saw Wes and his family there. Um, Nerf Squeezer were there. There was a few other... Um, a few other the, the Twitterazzi. You know, interestingly enough, I had tickets to that oh, game. Oh, that's right. And I would have been two rows in front of Gabriel. But oh, yeah. unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it that night. But uh, yeah, I would have been, I'd have been right there with oh, you. Oh, that would have been awesome. So um, there was some some uh, Twitter conversation that night and then the following night between um, Manuel and Mike and Gabriel about, you know, maybe getting more people together for a game because Manuel's never been to a game. Um, Omar Vargas, Omar Design 209 has, uh, has not been to a game. So, uh, there was a bunch of talk and then, um, Greg got in the mix, Greg Barr. So then, um, Saturday or Sunday, I think it was, um, Sunday, I guess, uh, I reached out to the Stockton Thunder, um, the guy that runs the, the Twitter account and, um, he set up a, a page for us and we got seats in section 207. There are still tickets available. There will be a link in the show notes if you would like to come hang out with a bunch of other Twitter folk. Um, and so far, everybody that uh, I think everybody that has bought a ticket, which I think is so far Greg, um, Omar, Mike, um, you, you're going. And um, well, actually, I'm not. Gabriel. Remember. Oh, you're not going. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Oh, that's right. You're not going. Late, a late developing story. Yes. Um, so far, all the people that I know are going are also podcast Stockton listeners. So um, we we decided to, to call it Tweet Up instead of Tweet Up simply because we want to keep the, the Tweet Up consistent with the um, with a, kind of with the first Tweet Up. 
Um, but the name Tweet Up, you know, you mash together Thunder and Tweet Up. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Rod said that you won't be there. Yeah, but I do got good news on, on that account is the reason I won't be there to everybody that was hoping that I could go. And believe me, I was I was right there with you. But I got a call today, as a matter of fact, from a uh, gentleman back east who uh, is a executive at the B2 Networks, which many of you know is the internet home for your Stockton Thunder um, but I will actually be broadcasting a tournament in San Jose. Uh, a, a The Stockton Colts have um, several different levels, and the Midgets is one of those levels. Well, the Midgets are having – I'm not sure if the, if the uh, Colts are going to be a part of it or not, but anyways, it's going to be uh, going on at the San Jose, uh, the Little Sharks Arena. Not the Big Sharks, but the Little Sharks. <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a tournament. It's going to last four days from the 12th through the 15th. And uh, Chris the Greek from Twitter is actually going to be uh, going as well if he hasn't tweeted it by now. I don't, not sure if you wanted to make you know, it pop it uh, it public, but there it is, Chris. <laughs> you're you're public now. There you go. So congratulations on uh, finding a um, a gig over the next uh, weekend. Hey, and thanks to everybody for you know understanding and and uh, just being such good sports about my absence. It's it's tough. It's difficult. I miss you all. And, uh, but you know, it's reasons like this that I had to take the break and, uh, you can see already there's results from it. So, um, again, just thanks for your guys' support. Yeah. Well, it's, it, you know, everybody, uh, um, you know, a couple of people ask me every now and then about you and I mean, you're off, you're, you may be off the interwebs, but I, I mean, you and I talk every day. Yes. So, you know, I, I still have access to Rod, but, <laughs> you know, for the rest of you guys, uh, you know, Rod, they'll still be there when you uh when, when you wake up from your hibernation and yes. you're st- and you're still you know you're still down with podcast stocking so that's cool so i'll make the me- the next march tweet up yes there you go um so yeah if you are interested in attending the um thunder game with a bunch of us twitter folk on um friday uh, february 12th against the ontario rain um check out the show notes at podcaststockton.com we'll put a link there to the site where you can purchase discounted tickets um seven dollars for the uh for the 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 cheap seats there. That's that's good for yeah, section two hundred seven. Yeah, two dollars off the uh the you know the regular price. You can't beat that. You no. can't beat that with a rubber mallet. Can't beat that with a shovel. Anything. A hockey stick. So um can't beat it with a hockey stick. There you go. So uh, come one, come all, and come watch Thunder with us. Time for a sports update with Lowell Tuckerman. With Lowell Tuckerman. With Lowell Tuckerman. Lowell Tuckerman here with your podcast Stockton Sports Update. The Thunder will be on the road Friday and Saturday to take on the Ontario Reign. The Thunder are 20-17 on the season, and they are eight points behind the Pacific Division-leading Bakersfield Condors. The California Cougars will host Tijuana Saturday night at 7 at the Stockton Arena. For tickets, call 209-373-1550. The UOP men's basketball team will take on UC Santa Barbara on Thursday and Cal Poly on Saturday, both games at 7 p.m. at the AG Spano Center. The men's and Lady Mustangs basketball team will have a doubleheader Tuesday night. They'll take on Diablo Valley College. The ladies will get started at 6, and the men's will get started at 8. That is your podcast Stockton Sports Update. I'm Lowell Tuckerman. Now back to Matt Beckwith and Rod Villa Gomez. Lights, camera, literacy? <laughs> I think so. So uh, Friday, March 12th at the AG Spano Center at University of the Pacific is the 19th annual Trivia Bee. Trivia. And the, the theme this year is lights, camera, literacy. Rod, have you ever done this this event, the... Uh, the trivia bee? No, but I've seen it on SJTV and it looks like a blast. So this is the this event is put on by the uh, Library and Literacy Foundation, and I will tell you that this event is probably my favorite event of the year. I've only done it a couple of times, and it's been a few years since I um, last went. Um, but this event is an absolute blast. So this is three people competing in teams, getting asked trivia questions, right? Yes. So. Um, there are organizations throughout Stockton that uh, put together these teams of three people and you're up on the stage and everybody dresses up in costume based on the theme. Um, and, um, that, that's where, that's where the problem comes in. Um, cause it's, it's three people to a team and there's me and there's you. 
<laughs> that leaves an empty spot, doesn't it? That does leave an empty spot. So we are opening up a seat at the table with Podcast Stockton to um, to join us at the 19th annual uh, Trivia Bee. Um, the only catch is we want to win this thing. Doggone right. Yeah, we want to win it. And I will tell you, in the, the two times that I have participated, uh, um, I've got blown out in the first round. I do not want that to happen again. I do not want a three-peat. So we want somebody that has good, um, you know, they have a good knowledge base of, of movies and Hollywood stuff because as far as I can tell from reading their website, the theme being lights, camera, literacy, it says it's, um, it said, the website says on Friday, March 12, glitz and glamour come to the 2010 Trivia Bee with the theme of lights, camera, literacy. Join us for this one-of-a-kind Hollywood-style event. So it's got to be about movie trivia. Yeah, I, it leads me to believe that you got to know a little bit of something about what goes on on the big screen. Now, I know I do. I know you do. No, I, I'm not. I don't think I'm that good. Really? And, and I'm a little worried about movie trivia, especially oh. on the spot. I mean, you people they say, oh, I could play Jeopardy all day at home. But, you know, when you get up in front of the lights, there's a little bit of this, you know, uh, um, at this event. It's, it is an absolute blast. I've I've. Never done it at UOP. Um, it's always been at the at the um, Civic Auditorium, but um, it, it it's a blast. There's tons of other teams. There's there's a audience member that you know the audience members laugh when you get it wrong, um, <laughs> but it's a it, it, publicly humiliates yes, you. It's a it's a great um, great organization. The uh, Library and Literacy Foundation um, support literacy programs throughout San Joaquin County all year long, um, and uh, like I said, we we're gonna open up a seat at the table. Um, we're going to pay for this, so you don't need to bring, you don't need to bring anything. Of course, if you want to make an additional donation, um, in your own name, in our name, that would be certainly, uh, gracious of you. But if you want a free night of participating in the Trivia Bee, um, and you can bring a guest, um, we'll pay for your, your guest to, um, to sit in the audience and, uh, laugh at you and yeah, you things wrong. Yeah, and laugh at you. Um, but here's a couple of things. So you have to be, you have to be willing to, um, or yet you have to have some knowledge of um, Hollywood or movies um, because like I said, you're going to, you're going to, you might have to carry me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Rod knows more, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to carry me. And you have to be willing to dress the part. See Matt and I, we're kind of used to making fools of ourselves, you know, but uh, if you have too much pride to dress up like your favorite actor or director or zombie, then you don't belong at the table with us. Right. We, we have no idea what we're, how we're going to dress. Um, but um, I, I am not going there without, without some kind of goofy outfit. So if you know, if you want, to be involved and uh, help us try to win this thing. And um, you, uh, you know a lot about movies or Hollywood trivia. Just give us a call, uh, send us an email, get in, in contact with, uh, with me or Rod, and, uh, and, and we'll chat. If you don't want to, but you know of somebody in Stockton that, uh, even if they're not a listener to the show, but they, are just, they, they just know everything about um, movie trivia, Tell them to call us. We would, like I said, we would, we're, we're going to need one person to sit with us that really has a good understanding of Hollywood trivia. And we'll be screening it too. So don't just think you can send an email and be in. If you don't know anything right. about it, we'll be screening. That's right. We, we're, out of the responses that we get, we're going to make sure that we pick the person that uh, is the most up on movies. So don't be surprised if you get a response back from us with some random question about a movie. Cause uh, we'll we'll call you out real quick, <laughs> right? And or we may just show up at your uh, your home or your place of business, and uh, and so then that way you can't do a quick IMDb search. <laughs> so and then also, if you're not interested in joining us at the table, but you do want to come out and uh, and support us and watch us up on stage, make fools of ourselves, likely um, tickets are twenty dollars to just come and watch and eat. Um, there's great silent auction. There's um, it, it's just a it's a great day to uh, to, to give back to the uh, Library and Literacy Foundation, and. Um, like I said, if, if you want to see it at the table, that we have one open for you. Just got to be willing to meet the criteria and uh, get ready for some lights, camera, and literacy. Interested in becoming certified in hazardous waste operations and emergency response? Out of work and want to start a new career? This is Don Beckwith from Greenworks Environmental Services, and we have a class starting Monday, February 8th. After the successful completion of this 40-hour training, you will be HazWopper certified. The cost of this one-week training is $150. For more information, call me at 
We are joined today by Todd Rustaller, the Chief Executive Officer and Curator of History at the Hagen Museum. Todd, thanks for coming on to Podcast Often. It's a pleasure. So uh, uh, I know it's been a little while to, to get us finally in front of one another, but uh, thank you for all your hard work, and thanks to Kristen as well for all the assistance in um, setting this up, and it's good timing because you got a lot of great stuff coming up soon. Um, first and foremost, what, what is your role at the Hagen? Um, primarily, I oversee the daily operations of the museum. I help to implement the policy that's established by the Museum's Board of Trustees. And then in my role as curator of history, I also oversee the museum's history department. Okay, and how long, how long have you been with the Hagen? I was hired in August of 1984 as curator of history, and four years later I was named the director, and the title changed to chief executive officer in January of this year. Great, so you've, you've been around for a little while. I've been around uh, just a little less than the old mummy that was here. <laughs> Good one. So tell us how you actually got started doing this. Actually, my background is in archaeology. I did my undergraduate and graduate work at UC Davis, and um, along with a couple of my fellow graduate students, we started an archaeological consulting firm, which is still very successful up in Davis today. Give a shout out to Far Western Anthropological Research Group. And while I liked archaeology, my heart wasn't really in it. And I didn't know that until this job came along. It, I was prompted somewhat also by the fact that I had recently gotten married. We had a daughter. And since my wife hates camping, and you got to camp a lot as an archaeologist, <laughs> I had the um, choice of watching my family grow up in photographs while I was out playing Indiana Jones, and it, and it was never that exotic. <laughs> I, I, I was waiting for that reference. No, but it was, it was never anything like that. Or applying for this job when it came up. And I originally applied for it and was turned down. I still have the rejection letter. I have it framed, and uh, I will have it back up in my office uh, soon. I, I like to show it to prospective employees, <laughs> tell them not to become discouraged. But then I came in as curator of history. And... I was a Stockton native, so there I had that going for me. I think the one thing that made my job so much easier was the fact that my mother was also a Stockton native, born here in Stockton, and she was a graduate of UC Berkeley, history major, and she knew Stockton history. So when I had a question, you know, rather than let anybody here know, I didn't know the answer to it. <laughs> I give my mom a call, and uh, more often than not, if she didn't know the answer, she sh certainly could point me in the right direction. So um, I had a great mentor in her. Also, um, there was a, a, a local um, professor at uh, Delta College who I had while I was in high school at Stag, a fellow by the name of Chuck Block, who's still around. Chuck, if you're listening, uh, I'm glad you've joined the 21st century as well. Um, he was a, a mentor as well, and uh, uh, I, I owe a lot to both of those individuals. And so the, the Hagen's been a staple in, in this community for as long as I've been around. What's, what's the history of, uh, of the Hagen? The museum actually opened its doors to the public in June of 1931. It had come about because a number of people very concerned that we were losing a lot of our tangible links with the past. And so they formed what uh, today is still known as the Sam King Pioneer and Historical Society. It was incorporated in February of 1928, and the purpose was to build a museum here in Stockton. There was no museum. So originally it was going to be just a history museum, and they were bringing in funding. After a year of fundraising, they had less than $700 in the bank, and it looked kind of bleak. Two folks back in New York um, said, listen, we'll give your historical society $30,000 and 180 paintings from uh, our family's art collection if you will expand the focus of your history museum to include an art wing. Well, you got 700 bucks in the bank. <laughs> what do you think they're going to say? Mm -hmm. Right. And so they accepted the offer, and this was Bob McKee, Robert T. McKee, and his wife, Isla Hagen McKee. The Hagen's very wealthy uh, California family uh, who had put together 
through three generations, a wonderful art collection. They had moved back east in the 1890s, but they had always still kept a, uh, a link with California. They had friends out here. And Bob McKee, of course, who married Isla in New York in 1924, he was originally from Stockton. And so he had a number of friends and relatives who sat on the board of trustees of that Sam Joaquin Pioneer and Historical Society. He knew that they wanted to build a museum. So he probably said, hey, honey, you know, you just inherited $10 million from your father. He passed away in March of 1929. You can give some of the paintings to the Met or the Boston Fine Arts Museum or uh, any of the East Coast museums. They'll put one or two on the walls. The rest will go into storage. Or... We can give it to my good buddies back in Stockton. They're trying to build this museum, and I think it'd be a, a great thing for this, admittedly, in, in 1929, uh, a small agricultural town in the center of the Central Valley. That's so, how we came about. Wow. So how many people come through your doors every year? Annually, um, during public hours, we get somewhere around 25,000 people. But we have somewhere between six and 7,000 school children tour uh, on an uh, annual basis. That's one of the reasons we're open to the public from 1.30 to 5 o'clock, but we have people in the museum as early as 8.30 because we have school tours coming through or adult tours. And we also do a lot of after-hour events. Uh, that's not counted uh, under the the strict auspices of, of how you gauge uh, visitors to the museum. But clients served, we have somewhere between thirty-five and 40,000 people a year. Wow, good so, numbers. So tell me just how important it is for these school kids to come in and see the museum, see the art, and to, to get in touch with the history that's here at this museum. I think it's important on two levels. One, they'll go nuts if they stay in the classroom all the time. they got to get out every once in a while. But two, I think it's important for them to connect uh, through the, our two collections, both our art and our history collections. They're part of this community. This gives them a sense of place and a link to their heritage. Many of their, their relatives go back generations here in Stockton. And even those who don't, you become more attached to a community if you know more about its history. And then on the art level, we keep cutting back in the schools. Mm -hmm. uh, art education receives but a fraction of the, the attention and certainly the financial resources that it once did. So if we can be an adjunct to that art education, and we have a tremendous uh, um, group of volunteers, our docent council, but we also have two great staff members, um, Lisa Cooperman, our curator of education, and her assistant, Janet Men. And the two of them come up with these fantastic programs. Um, the second Saturday of every month, we either have an art adventure or a family festival. We have our summer art workshop during the summer, surprisingly <laughs> enough. And these are all geared towards encouraging both the partic participation in and appreciation for arts, fine arts, any kind of visual arts, even, even the performing arts every once in a while. Great. So speaking of um, um, events like that, you have a couple of events we'd like to highlight. First, you have uh, the first and third Thursdays. What can you tell us about that? First and third Thursdays, actually something that we kicked off a couple of years ago. Uh, it was an effort to extend our hours into the evening uh, in the hopes that people who couldn't get here during a work week or they had plans on the weekend would be able to get here. And they met with mixed results during the first two years. This year, we have listened to some consultants that we brought in to put together a strategic marketing audience development plan. One of the things they said, you have to kind of rebrand some of your events. And you also have to have some um, added value to these. So we are having this added value first and third Thursdays, where every first and third Thursdays, we will have some form of refreshments, something to eat, and then some type of a program, maybe entertainment. Uh, for example, this Thursday night, the Patrick Langham Quartet, jazz quartet from UOP, very popular, they'll be playing here. It also happens to be the official opening of the McKee exhibition. Now, this isn't, this isn't the, the day that most of the kids come. We're hoping that 
adults will come to this. Uh, certainly some of the older students, we can see them coming to this as well, although they can't have any wine. <laughs> and um, certainly a lot of the teachers who have participated, and, and teachers work hard in putting all the artwork together and bringing it uh, to the museum so we can put it on display. It's, a, it's an opportunity for us to open up the exhibit, share this with uh, a great number of people, hopefully. And if the weather cooperates, I think we'll have some pretty good numbers. Great. So the, the, the McKee show is in its 79th year, right? Yes. And um, that kicks off officially, you said Thursday, but you have some programs this weekend about that. Um, yep. Yeah, going back to that couple who helped put this together, Bob mm -hmm. McKee, um, the very year that the museum opened, he also established a special fund to pay for this exhibit on an annual basis. He was an art student, he studied uh, in San Francisco, and he really wanted the youth of this area to be encouraged to participate in the arts. That's why he established the exhibition and, and contest in the first place. And when he died in 1943, he established an endowment to make sure it would continue long past uh, his passing. And it has proven to be a very popular show. It is probably the best attended single day. When we kick this off this coming Saturday, we'll have, we have had anywhere from 14, 15,000, uh, 15, <laughs> 15, uh, 14 to 1,500 people come through the doors. And really the only day that supersedes that, the very first day the museum was open, we had about 4,000 people come in that day, but we we're open from nine until nine. Um, but on the, on the first Saturday of the McKee Show, our junior women's group, one of our uh, volunteer auxiliaries, will be hosting cookies and punch, gallons of punch, <laughs> thousands of cookies. And the, the kids, their parents, their uh, brothers and sisters, other family members, they love to come and see their artwork. And it's, it's quite, uh, I think it's quite an honor uh, to have your art hanging in the museum. And surprisingly enough, or possibly not too surprisingly, quite a number of artists who have gone on to some notoriety in the art community who have come from San Joaquin County, uh, a lot of them point back and say, you know, the first time I ever had anything on display was at the Hagen Museum with the McKee Show. Well, Todd, I can tell you, when my 10-year-old daughter, who's in the fifth grade, came home and uh, with her notice from her teacher that one of her pieces was selected to be in the exhibit, she was on cloud nine. I mean, she didn't come off that cloud for two days. That's excellent. So I'll see you at the Punch and Cookies table. We will table. absolutely be here <laughs> on Saturday. We're excited to uh, for her to um, show off her piece of work. So excellent. Nice job. Well, Punch and Cookies a little expensive. Maintaining a museum also very expensive. Tell us where you get the funding come from. The museum's funding does not come from any public coffers. the The museum sits in the middle of this beautifully maintained municipal park. And I think it gives off the wrong impression. Quite a number of people believe that sits in a city park must be funded by the city. <laughs> Years ago, the city and the county both contributed a small amount of money to the museum that dried up in the late 1980s, early 1990s. And so we received no city, no county, no state, no federal funding. It comes from the museum's endowment, generating about 50% of our annual operating income, and then from memberships, um, admission, museum store sales, a lot of grants, and those are the principal sources. So if I can encourage people to support the museum, they can do that in a number of ways. Probably the easiest is just come visit the museum. Uh, if money's tight, come on the first Saturday of every month because that's a free day. You can come, enjoy the museum, Hopefully you'll come back on another day. If you really like what you saw and you want to help support some of the programs, become a member of the museum. Uh, you can get in touch with the museum to find out about our various museum uh, membership levels. And we've got a category to fit just about uh, anybody's price range. And if you really want to help out the museum, um, you can think about making a planned gift. We have. We're very fortunate in having a number of people who, through their association over the years with the museum, have really come to appreciate what we do here. And so they have made, in their estate planning um, documents, a provision for the museum. And 
that usually goes into the museum's endowment, which generates income on an ongoing basis. Wow. So do you have a favorite, personally, do you have a favorite uh, exhibit here at the Hagen that you've ever had? Um, I've got a couple of favorites. Um, one of the one of my favorite history shows that we assembled here uh, in-house was called Camp, and it dealt with the evacuation and relocation of Japanese Americans in San Joaquin County, both to the, uh, the fairgrounds for the assembly center and then those who were shipped back to Rower, Arkansas. And it gave me a chance to uh, interact with the Japanese uh, American community locally, and we I think we put together a very powerful show. That was back in 1988, I think. Um, more recently, the Pulitzer Prize, uh, there was an exhibition called Capture the Moment, and it featured Pulitzer Prize photographs from its inception in the early 1940s all the way up to the, the current winners, and that show was in 2005. Um, more recently, in 2006, we put together um, a wonderful exhibit on the work of the very famous commercial artist by the name of J.C. Leyendecker. J.C. Leyendecker uh, was probably one of the most prolific, uh, one of the most popular artists the first half of the 20th century. He was a mentor to Norman Rockwell, for example. He actually did more coverage for the Saturday Evening Post. He beat Norman Rockwell by one. Uh, very, very popular. The museum happens to have one of, if not the largest collection of original works by J.C. Leyendecker who, within the last 10, 15 years, has become increasingly popular. We spent a great deal of money restoring these because they're commercial. Uh, they were done for magazine covers mm -hmm. and advertising. They were never meant as fine art. So they really didn't receive the care that they should have received. So we, over a, about a decade, we conserved these works. We sent them out to various conservation facilities and had them worked on. This was expensive. We had everything framed. In 2006, during the museum's 75th anniversary, we had a special exhibition, and then we sent it out on a national tour. And those paintings have just recently come back within the last couple of weeks, and hopefully we will get it, be getting them back on display, um, I would hope, by uh, uh, late spring, early summer. So we talked a little bit about the importance of knowing Stockton history, but just what kind of history does this museum house on Stockton? Uh, soup to nuts. Uh, we, we basically take a look at Stockton before there was a Stockton with uh, our collections of Native American material and then carry it through Stockton's early development, uh, through its growing pains, the, the gold rush, its focus on the grain trade, a more diversified agricultural uh, economy, and uh, right up to the present time. We, you know, you never stop collecting. If you're a history museum, you've always got an eye out to adding to your collections. Um, some of the major exhibits that we have here deal with Benjamin Holt, who um, basically made the Caterpillar track type tractor a household word and that was born right here in Stockton. We have a wonderful hall immediately below us, actually. You folks at home can't see this. Uh, neither can we because we're looking through the floor. Um, we have exhibits that deal with Stockton history in general. We have some displays that deal with specific uh, parts of Stockton history. For example, the history of the Stockton Fire Department. Um, we have galleries that take a look at what life was like during the turn of the 19th to 20th century in some of our period rooms down in the storefronts area. Um, we have a California room that takes a look at California history from a unique angle. We take a look at it from a Stockton-centric standpoint. As you go through time, you become more and more focused on events as they related to the city of Stockton. So we have a great deal that deals with Stockton history. And of course, we also have a wonderful library archives with. Uh, a great deal of material. Researchers make use of our facilities. We have tens of thousands of photographs, books, manuscripts, ephemera, all dealing with various aspects of Stockton history. So we couldn't really do an interview at the Hagen without bringing up the mummy. Oh. Oh, now, I, I don't know. Wait a minute. I don't know if I can go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was not, a, not an approved question. 
Um, I've been blindsided. <laughs> Take off my microphone. I'm leaving the room. <laughs> um, do, you, do you still get people coming in looking for the mummy? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you cannot have had something on display for 65 years without some people coming in wanting to know where their old friend, even if they haven't been in the museum in 15 years, they remember seeing it as a kid, and they want to see the mummy. And Sadly, we have to tell them that after 65 years, the Fine Arts Museums of San Francisco recalled their loan, which obviously they certainly uh, can and did do. And it's currently on display at the Legion of Honor in a special display called Very Postmortem. Um, runs into the um, spring, I believe. And then, I'm not sure, I, I believe they hope to put it on permanent display in a new antiquities area of the Dion. So uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed that people will still be able to see their old friend. It just will be in the city by the bay. Do you get, to, do you get special visiting privileges since you've you know, housed it for so long? One would hope. <laughs> Uh, I haven't I haven't seen that that special pass yet, but uh, uh, yeah, I can I can dream. Did, did your attendance increase um, to the run up to to the, the oh, sure. leaving? Yeah, um, people realized that it wasn't going to be quite as easy as driving over to Victory Park to walk in and see their old friend. They were going to have to drive a little farther. So yeah, we had and we were also uh, cognizant of the fact that. Let's take this challenge and turn it into an opportunity for the museum. So uh, staff put together a number of special events relating to the departure of the, the mummy. And uh, we had a great number of people. And it was not the, the melancholy affair that I thought, you know, people weeping and, you know, <laughs> wearing sackcloth and pulling their hair. And, um, it, it, it didn't have any of that. Um, people wrote... Um, you know, very touching remembrances of when they were uh, a little girl coming to visit the museum or how someone who lived close by would make it a point once a week to come over and, and take a look at the mummy. I think he was just making sure he's still here. Uh, he lived so close, he didn't want him wandering around. <laughs> and and all in all, it, it turned out to be um, a much easier parting uh, of the ways for us than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Okay. Well, we are going to start with the final four questions, patented pending, right? The the trademark questions. Uh, the first, of course, being how long have you been in Stockton? I was born in San Francisco in June of 1950, moved here two weeks later. Uh, my dad was a, a pediatrician here for almost 50 years. Um, so I was here in 1950 to 1968 when I went away to Davis, uh, came back in 1984. So you guys do the math. That's uh, a long time. Yeah. I've, I've been here. <laughs> You're a lifer. Quite, yeah, I'm a, I'm a lifer. And interestingly enough, uh, I came back and uh, my three brothers, we had all scattered to the four winds. And uh, one by one, we all found our way back like some type of migratory <laughs> beast back, back to the place of our birth. Oh, more like salmon, I guess. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. So, Todd, what do you like about Stockton? Uh, I like a great deal about Stockton. Love the weather most of the time. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a flatlander. Uh, I don't like the cold. I, I lived two years in South Lake Tahoe and... Did not like that at all. Much, much too cold. Don't like shoveling snow. Um, um, my, my favorite season is uh, probably autumn, and we don't have the kind of autumn that you have back east or anything, but it's a, it's a great time of year. I love the Delta. I love the University of the Pacific. Uh, these were places I've lived probably... All of the houses that I've lived in, the two houses I lived in as a kid, the, the four houses I've lived in as an adult, they've all been within about a one-and-a-half-mile radius. And there are, there are neighborhoods that seem like old friends to me. Uh, and uh, I think the fact that Stockton, with 300,000-plus people in the greater metropolitan area, still can maintain a small-town feel 
Uh, I like that a great deal as well. Well, I'm with you on the cold part. I live on the East Coast, and I hate shoveling snow. So <laughs> great, great uh, thing to like about Stockton, which takes us to what is your favorite Stockton memory? Oh, I've got a couple. I think uh, I liked the fact growing up in the 50s, um, I can remember friends and I would have dirt clod fights in vacant lots <laughs> when there were still vacant lots in this area. Um, I can remember staying out late on summer evenings. We, you know, our parents thought nothing of letting us stay out till 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. And I lived right down the street from the museum on the corner of Rose and Baker. And my friends and I would come down to Victory Park. And this was the place in the evening you could catch toads and crawdads and watch the bats fly by. Um, I love that. And then catching turtles, uh, in the, uh, uh out of the Calaveras by, uh, uh, UOP. Strange memories. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're not uh, busy at the museum, what do you like to do for fun in Stockton? Um, I, oh, some, of the, some of the best times are spent with my family. As I said, my, my three brothers all wound up coming back here and raising their families here, and we like to get together. Uh, and my wife and I take great joy in walking our dogs, again, through UOP, gorgeous campus, and along the Calaveras River. I've got my eyes open for the turtles uh, while I'm out there. <laughs> and, of course, Riley and our other two dogs, um, uh, they're, they're on cloud nine when we're out doing that, and seeing them happy makes us happy. Great. Well, Todd, thanks so much for your time and letting us come in, uh, and, and invade the museum after dark. Certainly. Uh, Rod and I are hopeful that uh, things... We'll maybe come alive as we're walking through. Well, yeah, you do have to then. you do have to get out before the Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton starts <laughs> running through the place. But uh, other than that, uh, uh, you're welcome to hang out as long as you want. Great. As long as Robin Williams can save us, then we're good. Yeah, exactly. So if, if listeners want to find out more about the museum and becoming a member and um, some of the um, information on exhibits, where should where, where can they get information? We have our website, which is www.hagenmuseum.org. Uh, we have a general info uh, email, which is info at hagenmuseum.org. Um, general telephone number, area code 209-940-6311. And I think those are... And you're on Facebook oh, and Twitter. Oh, we're on Facebook and MySpace. And Twitter. And, and Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know how those just rolled right off the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I'm so technologically adept here. Um, but yeah, we do encourage uh, people to check out any of those sources. We're we're very fortunate uh, in that the the record uh, also uh, runs a, a number of our stories. You can go to recordnet.com to uh, um, see some of I think the latest story having to do with the McKee, McKee. show mm -hmm. and Gary Carlos and the judge, who uh, as a very young man uh, was successful with an art piece that uh, turned him into uh, an, an artist on his own right. Great. Well, thanks again, Todd. We appreciate the time. My pleasure. So close your eyes and picture a secluded island. Okay. Nobody, nothing around. And My all you eyes have are closed. All you have, it, it is too. Mine are too. All you have is Wi-Fi on this island and unlimited uh, electricity. Oh, we didn't say that. Well, you got to have it because in some of these tech gadgets, well, that may change the answer. No, okay. Well then no, you have no electricity, <laughs> but you have a really, really long battery life on whatever tech you need. Nice. If you're there and you're alone, what one piece of technology would be there with you? That's what we want to know. That's what we asked you. What one piece of tech can you not absolutely positively live without? If you were crashed on a plane, like lost. Like Lost. Did you watch Lost this week? No, I did not. Do you watch Lost? I do not. Oh, Rod. I can't help it. I it was it started when I was in the army, and I didn't want to watch it then. And now it just take too long to catch up. So anyway. it's the last season. Well, it we is. won't we won't uh, derail this too much. But Lost was awesome. Um, I wonder what tech they couldn't live without. Yeah, but although the, yeah, you don't want to start in this season. It's horribly confusing. Um, so for me, I hate to say it. It's kind of cliche. It's my iPhone. I had a BlackBerry for years. I had a, I tried a PDA for a long time. It's the best of both worlds. I really organize my life around my calendar, my task list, 
my music, my videos, and um, that all I do that all on my iPhone and my email and my Twitter and my Facebook. So I couldn't, you know, I would give up everything. I would give up all the technology that you see in this room if I had to give up everything, keep only one thing. I I. Keep the iPhone. I know it's pretty cliche. It's like boring. Yeah. That's okay. But you know what? what? It's you? true. What about you? Me, it would be my laptop because, uh, first of all, I've never had an iPhone. So I can't say that I can't live without it because I've been living without it for however long the iPhone's been out. So we're good. Um, but mine mine would be my laptop. There is that one piece that uh, it goes with me absolutely everywhere. Uh, I'm very rarely without it. And the sad thing is I've had it for four years now I've had it for four years and uh, it, it started out as uh, mine and my fiance's laptop but quickly after about two months just realized that she was never going to get to touch it so uh, <laughs> for a couple of years she was without and finally she's got her own so now it really technically is 100% my laptop and uh, it has all my programs it has all my information that I've ever done video audio pictures blogs essays you name it, it's on there. So if, if I had to pick one thing and I had Wi-Fi on the island, it would be my laptop. <laughs> nice. Well, we did get uh, we did get some responses from uh, folks out on Twitter and Facebook and voicemail. So um, let's let's see what let's see what the audience says. Um, so starting with with uh, Facebook. And by the way, if you're not a fan of Podcast Stockton on Facebook, uh, shame on you. Facebook.com/slash/podcaststockton. Yes. Um, so the first response we got was from a uh, friend of the show, uh, Fia Delgado. And Fia says her iPhone. Oh, put um, a tally there for the iPhone. Another one. Um, uh, Yaskara says cell phone. Do you know if Yaskara has a She has does an not iPhone? have an iPhone as far as I know. I think she has a BlackBerry. Well, because you can't really call it cell phone if it's an iPhone. If it's an iPhone, it's an iPhone. You call it an iPhone, yeah. And I, I think she's either got a BlackBerry or something else. Um, my beautiful fiance wrote in. Uh, this time, and she said her AccuCheck, and believe me, that is one piece of technology that at this point we do not want her to be without. Um, she's she's got some gestational diabetes going on right now, and that little piece of uh, machinery can save hers and the baby's life. So yes, I agree with you. When I I, I saw um, I saw Linda uh, yesterday at your house, and I, I made a comment. And I said, "Hey, love the tech," and she said, "What?" And I said, "The AccuCheck," and she said, "Oh yeah, yeah." She said, "That's what's first and foremost on my mind." Yeah. Um, so we did get a um, response from Alice on Facebook. Um, Alice gives another vote for the iPhone. And, it's not um, even fair checking this iPhone thing. <laughs> Alice is all over Facebook, man. She's on all of all of the Stockton-centric Facebook pages, which there's tons of them now. There's Stockton CA, Stockton-CA, Stockton.CVB, I Love Stockton. And uh, Alice and I chat on, uh, on, on uh, all of those. So uh, th- thanks for your, uh, your vote there. Well, Jasmine definitely says her cell phone. Uh, we're not sure if she's got an iPhone. I don't. I don't know if Jasmine has. I. I um. I've actually never met Jasmine. Um. But uh, I, I see her everywhere on Twitter. One of these days, I'm going to run into her. Um. In Lodi, but uh, have yet to actually meet her. But I'm just going to. I'm going to track that down to uh, just a cell phone, not an iPhone. Good call. Uh, Manuel Montez comments, but he he just really asks a question. He wants to know if uh, if um. Uh, if it's on a deserted island or if it's life as we know it, probably to answer the power question. How am I going to power this device? Oh, Manny, quit taking it so literally. <laughs> so I answered on behalf of Manny because uh, I played golf with him quite a few times. And I'm going to say that his technology is a seven iron because that man can work <laughs> magic with his seven iron. <laughs> <laughs> is he tin cup? Uh, almost. <laughs> well, David writes in and he says his flip cam. I am very, very jealous of Mr. McKeever. I want a flip so badly. Nice, yeah, definitely a flip cam. I haven't talked about that since our uh, since our Christmas show, but um, yeah, we need to get uh, we need to, we need to get somebody to sponsor one of those for us. Yeah, we do. Where's the closest place around that's got that we? Well, yeah, we'll figure that out off there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got a message from um, from Linda on Twitter, aka Stockton Mom. I love it when um, somebody's Twitter handle has the word Stockton. It. There's no doubt in my mind that they're from Stockton. But uh, Stockton Mom on. Twitter um, sent me a message and she said that she could not, um, she couldn't live without her Blackberry. So she's a, she's addicted to the Crackberry. <laughs> lots of, lots of people are. Don't get everybody wrong. It's not all about the iPhone all the time. Yeah. That, uh, uh, I, I was addicted to the Crackberry for a long time before I got to, before I, I found the ways. Well, the, I know, I know Linda iPhone. loves her Blackberry. She, 
she likes it. She's going to get another one and I'm going to get the iPhone. But uh, our old friend, uh, David Siders, he actually is going low tech with his tech. He's talking about his eyeglasses, uh, the pencil, uh, the computer, refrigeration, and last but not least, penicillin. Nice. A great, great response, David. Uh, sometimes when you think about technology, we need to we need to remember that technology isn't just uh, the, the plug-in kind. Hey, back in the day, the wheel blew everyone's doors off. <laughs> right. Um, and along those lines, um, Steelhoof, uh, Bill Reese Knight, Steelhoof on Twitter said, give me a good hunting knife. <laughs> I'm a little, that, that, that scares me just, just a little bit, just a little bit frightened about the, the one tech is a, a hunting knife, but Hey, you know, if, if you're on a desert Island, that, um, knife is going to do a lot better than a, um, uh, an iPhone or a Blackberry. I don't know. There's an app for just about everything, right? If you're on a desert <laughs> island, there might be an app to save your life or at least to order you a good pizza that's close to the island. <laughs> so let's hear what uh, you guys have to say out there. We got a few voicemails and uh, we want to know what your one piece of tech that you can't live without is. Yeah, so let's open it up with the uh, the trifecta of the single malt versus guys, uh, Craig, Devin, and Gabriel. Hey, podcast talking. What's up? This is Craig from the single malt making a oh stop the dryer there <laughs> yeah just making a note on your guys tech question one piece of tech i can't live without definitely my iphone do everything on it game bank twitter all kinds of stuff so something i'd throw out there i don't care if you use a voicemail stay tuned for single malt and uh like it like your podcast man it's good stuff all right have a good one Hey, Podcast Stockton. This is uh, Devin, D-I-G-Y-M-A-N, on Twitter, Diggy Man, as it's pronounced. One thing in tech that I can't live without, I mean, you, you question was pretty pretty broad. I mean, I'm assuming the Internet is not one of those things that you would choose, but, I mean, obviously that would be the one thing I can't live without. Um, other than that, it's, it's pretty simple. It's my iPhone. It's one of those things you don't realize how much you can't live without it until you have it, and you can't go back afterwards. Hi, Matt and Rob. This is Gable from the Single Malt Versus Podcast. Um, I'm calling in regards to your discussion. Um, well, that, and because I got intimidated and called out on Twitter. <laughs> but uh, as far as the discussion, um, the one piece of technology I can't live without um, at this point would honestly be my phone. Um, I have an iPhone, and it's just the first version um, but I mean, the things like, it's like the Swiss army knives of, of little gadgets. I mean, it's a phone, it has full internet. I mean, and it's not the watered down type you get with the cheaper cell phones, but it's full internet. Um, you know, there's, there's Twitter stuff on there. Those are pretty much like the three essential things, but there's also games. Um, I like to draw and sketch, so I got plenty of drawing and sketch apps. Um, I can make quick notes, I mean, calculator, maps, I mean, just everything is in my phone. Um, so yeah, if, if I would, if there would be one thing that I can't live without, it would probably be that. Surprise, surprise, surprise. The iPhone wins again. iPhone, iPhone, iPhone. Yeah. Again, I don't have one, so I can't, uh, I can't comment. Matt? Yeah, I agree. iPhone rocks. So, uh. I like, I like Devin's uh, comment. He questioned, uh, you know, I guess you can't consider the internet as uh, as technology. If it was, I would say the one, you know, if you think that broad about technology, then I'll revise my answer. The one um, technology that I can't live without, electricity. Oh, yeah. I don't want, you know, I want to have a, my electric, uh, you know, I want to have lights and the air conditioner and heater and all those things that require um, electricity. So yeah. you, because I think about camping is fun for the weekend, but even still you can't get away from electricity there because then you use flashlights and that takes a, a source of electricity and right. you use, yeah. So there's no way electricity uh, rules. Right. And then next would be the interwebs. Can't live without Google. Right. Yeah. You need, you need the interwebs. Um, so we also got um, a couple more voicemails. Hey Matt and Rob, this is John Rimson calling in. The one gadget that I cannot live without would have to be my phone whether it be my iPhone or my BlackBerry. It's uh, just something that I can't live without. It happened to actually die just a little bit ago, and I didn't know what to do because I run my business through it. So I really do rely on that piece of tech. Um, so that is the one guy that I can't live without. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but 
Thank you guys for your show. Love the show, and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Hey, Matt and Rod. It's the Laughable Brewery 33 calling in to tell you what my favorite piece of technology is, and it happens to be the MP3 player because I wouldn't be able to take your show in or any of the other shows to then further my vast knowledge of basically nothing, and um, that's about it. I, I don't have any other any other technology that I think is uh, that enhances my life other than the the automobile uh, penicillin, like like Mr. Sider said. But uh, yeah, the MP3 player player gets my phone if I'm going to a, to a desert island. I definitely want an MP3 player, packable podcast, so that I can listen to them over and over and never update them because I won't have Wi-Fi. So again, thanks Matt, thanks Rod, thanks for doing the show. Uh, Rod, big ups to you on your decision, man. I'm behind you. Uh, the whole community is behind you. Family man, family first. Keep it real, man. Um, stay fresh. Thanks, guys. Hey, Matt. Hey, Rod. It's Mike. I was just calling in about your question about what kind of uh, technology or what device or gadget could I not live without. Um, I think if you know me, it's pretty obvious that there's, I don't think I could live without my iPhone. I do everything on my iPhone. I work on my iPhone. I play on my iPhone. Keep track of my golf scores on my iPhone. Everything. It's all there. Complete package. So uh, I know it's not very original. I didn't come up with something, uh, you know, unexpected. But that's my gadget. iPhone. Love it or leave it. Hi. Bye. All right, John, Andy, and Mike. Thanks so much for uh, for calling in as well. And uh, drum roll, please. <laughs> so the winner. Um, or the, the, the most votes uh, cast for a single item in the uh, can't live without tech is the iPhone. You're safe With, for another week, iPhone. You can don't have to light your torch or put out your torch. You can stay <laughs> on the island. Right. So um, uh, eight, eight solid votes for the iPhone. Uh, a total of 12, though, for the iPhone, BlackBerry, um, cell phone category, um, which means there's lots of, um, lots of mobile People or people, you know, they don't want to get, they don't want to give up their mobile device. We are all uh, phone junkies. Well, you think you're a phone junkie, but try going without for a little while. Uh, you know, when money makes you have to cut something and the phone goes, you find out quickly you can kind of live without your phone. Of course, I didn't have an iPhone. I did pick the LG Insight instead of the iPhone. Um, I kicked myself for it, but uh, you know. Maybe it's because I had an insight that I can live without my cell phone. Because for me, that was a little more frustrating than than it was fun to have. I mean, I loved my phone. I loved being able to go on the internet with it. Um, but again, you know, it was it was a, a Windows mobile phone, which meant I couldn't do a whole lot of anything. So uh, again, you know, me, I can live without a cell phone. I've been living. You're, without you're a cell proving phone. it. I'm proving it. I'm walking proof that you can live without a cell phone. Hard, but you can do it. You know, it's interesting. I, I just thought about this, but. You know, when you and I were growing up, and probably most of our listeners were growing up, we would we would call our friends, and oftentimes somebody else would answer, and we would have to say, "Hi, is so and so there?" That doesn't happen with cell phones. No. So, like my my uh, my oldest daughter who has a cell phone, she probably never has to ask for somebody. But and I I, I kind of forgot about that. But now when I call you, I just I call your house. <laughs> most of the time you answer, but every once in a while, um, well, you know, Linda will answer and. And, um, you know, you guys have caller ID. I know that because you know it's me when I'm calling. But uh, it's just the, the, the lost art of just saying, hello, this is Matt. You know, is Rod there? Um, you know, kids kids don't have that because when you have a cell phone, it's your personal number. Nobody else is going to likely answer your phone. But And if they do, then you got, you know, somebody to answer to. <laughs> right. Why are you answering someone's phone? Yeah, exactly. I didn't call you. Um, so yeah, thanks. Thanks everybody for your, um, for your calls, your, uh, tweets, your Facebook. Uh, thanks for participating in the, uh, podcast Stockton tech talk. Um, we need a cool, uh, cool name. I don't know if tech talk is cool enough, but, uh, we appreciate all of your, all of your feedback. Um, of course you can always call in with uh, comments of any kind, um, to our listener voicemail line, 209-565-3229. You can call that as often as you like, as late as you want. It does not ring into a phone. Um, you can also send email to mail at podcastdoctor.com. You can tweet us, Facebook us. You can even record on those iPhones that you love. Record a voice memo and send it to us. Or do it the old-fashioned way and try to meet us face-to-face. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks, uh, thanks so much for your comments.
Thank you for listening to Podcast Stockton, episode 26. We want to thank Todd Roostaller for joining us. If you want to check out more about the Hagen Museum, you can check them out at their website, hagenmuseum.org, or you can follow them on Twitter at twitter.com slash hagenmuseum. Next week, join in on our conversation. What is the first gadget you remember playing with as a kid? Yeah, go a little retro. Go back in the uh, the Wayback Machine. What was your first uh, gadget or electronic toy that you remember? Leave us a message at 209-565-3229 or send comments to mail at podcast.com. And follow us on Facebook and YouTube, username Podcast Stockton. Follow me on Twitter, username Podcast Stockton. And me, RJ Gomez. For links to all the stuff we talked about on today's show, visit the show notes at podcaststockton.com. And until next time, make it great, Stockton.